Welcome to the Skyline SIB podcast. We're so grateful that you're taking time to tune in from your busy schedule. We hope that this message encourages and inspires you wherever you are listening from. Now, here is an inspiring message by Pastor Dr. John Chang. Good morning, church. And thank you, Esther, for that really kind introduction. I kept looking around to see whether there was another speaker that you guys have invited this morning. But uh, oh, glory to God. Amen. Wow. Let's start. Did you know that a pearl contains the strongest material found in nature? And the material is called nacre, or N-A-C-R-E. And it's also known as the mother of pearl. It lines the insides of muscles and it's actually the toughest material in nature because it's made up of these microscopic bricks of a mineral called aragonite that's laced together with a mortar of organic material. When they are stressed, the mortar squeezes aside and the bricks lock together, basically, forming what is essentially a solid surface. And when the force is removed, the structure springs back without losing any strength or resilience. And it's near total unbreakable. And this is just what your pearl looks like. Near total unbreakable. You know, a good thing about knowing this is this. If you ever bought pearl for your wives or your girlfriend, you can now legitimately say, Honey, that was the hardest thing I had to do for you. <laughs> okay, today we, con- we continue on our Strength Builders series. And today we're talking about resilience or unbreakable. What is resilience? The American Psychological Association uh, defines resilience as the process of adapting well in the face of adversity, tragedy, stress, or threats. It means bouncing back from difficult experience. Resilience is that get up when you're repeatedly knocked down ability. But why is resilience important? Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. It is a given, right? And besides the big obvious challenges like sicknesses, other things like wrong mindsets, negativism, people, circumstances, disappointments, failures, finances, betrayal, offences, the thing goes on and on and on. All this can set us back and knock us down. So learning and applying what the Bible says about resilience is critical critical because apart from our daily survival, it is the difference between failure and your destiny. Resilience enables us to stand firm, to break through when we're down, to continue and complete what God has started in us to pursue His destiny. Resilience gives room and space for the promises and supernatural work of God to break through. It keeps us in the game and finish our race in life. You know, just looking at some examples uh, from the Bible, my hero, or one of my heroes, Apostle Paul, you know, he was beaten numerous times, he was thrown in jail, and by our calculation, shipwrecked at least four times. Now, and he went on, God used him to, to write, you know, most of the New Testaments. And if he had given up, we wouldn't even have much of the New Testament today. 
The other person that I thought about was Joseph from Genesis. You know, as you know, Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and he was wrongfully imprisoned for betrayal, for alleged betrayal to his master and he languished in the jail. And then, miraculously, he got out and he rose up to number two in the land of Egypt and God used him to grow a nation, the nation of Israel in Egypt. Wow. Think about that. If they had given up, where will we be today? You know, 10% of life is what happened to you and the other 90% is how you react to it. Some people fall down and get up. No drama, no fuss. All right? But some people take a lot longer to get up and some need a helping hand. But you know what the good news is? The good news is resilience is something that you can develop. We basically need to learn to build all those little bricks like the knuckle to be unbreakable. So let's get into this. The four essential foundations you need to grow to be resilient. The first is a relationship with God. This is an absolute essential foundation to start with, to build resilience. You see, resilience is merely both the outworking and the inworking of our relationship with God. I say that again. It is the outworking and the inworking of our relationship with God. Because it is the end result of knowing God well and walking with Him closely. The stronger and deeper our relationship with God, the greater our resilience. Let's see how we build relationship. There are two components in any relationship with God. There is God and there is us. So firstly, it means knowing God. First component. You know, knowing God encompasses a lot of things. But I just want to pick up a few basic things that you need to do. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just what I, my own journey, entails. It means knowing Him as my good, loving, heavenly Father who only wants the best for us. It means knowing Him through time spent in prayer with Him. It means knowing His heart through His words. It means having a history, growing a history with God. You know, in the Bible, there's always, there's a lot of words, remember, remember, remember. And these are meant to help you build a history with God, knowing where His grace and His mercy has brought you before and come through. And with this uh, history, it builds our faith. And with that faith, even when you're in a difficult situation, when you don't understand it, you definitely don't prefer it. Even in a difficult situation, you can always trust His character. And you know who and you can trust who you know Him to be. And you move on. It's just like Habakkuk. Uh, in, in the book of Habakkuk, he says, you know, even after the Lord told him that disaster was coming because He was going to use the Babylonians to punish the, 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 the nation of Israel, in the last chapter, Habakkuk said, I will praise the Lord. Why? Why? Because he trusts the Lord, His character and who He knows the Lord to be. Moving on. 
Second component, knowing ourselves. The important thing that we need to know about ourselves is this. We are not only sinners saved by grace, but we are children of God who are loved. And that gives us what? That helps us. It gives us our identity, our self-worth, our vision, our purpose, our hope. You see, knowing who we are and whose we are and what we're here for anchors us, anchors us to weather the storms of life, to stay the course when things are uncertain or difficult. I always tell people, when you don't know what to do, you do what you know, what God wants. You know, again, another example was Paul knowing about his own identity and his own purpose, that he draws strength from it through all the, the beatings, the suffering, the shipwreck. He said, therefore, he wrote to the Corinthians, therefore, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord, in the Lord, your labour is never in vain. You know, I think of people staying in ministry when things are difficult, like busy young parents, like students having to cope with so many things, young professionals, doctors, frontliners, having to stay in ministry, keeping serving, to keep serving. I, I, I think of people standing firm for Jesus in the workplace, even though it's difficult. That's all resilience. I think of a recently coined phrase. Have you heard of this phrase, bore out, as opposed to burn out? Bore out is when, uh, well, they say young people, but I'm sure it applies to many people. Young people who uh, quit their job out of boredom, out of lacking of clarity and purpose in their job because they don't see any difference. But, you know, I think what the difference would be if they know themselves and they know Jesus well, how, they know what the difference would be if they know God and that work is actually worship and their work is never in vain. Can you now see why our relationship with God forms the bedrock for life? Right? Hardship are hard because we can't handle the challenges we face with our existing skill set and mindset. <laughs> that's, that's all there is. Hardship are hard because we, can't, we don't have the skill set presently to do with it. And why is that? Because we live in the most prosperous time in human history. We are more protected and more sheltered we are, than any time in history. We are less exposed to difficulties. And we are feeling more entitled to a good life. We are entitled to a good life. When things go wrong, oh, why is it happening? As if we are entitled. That life must be good. So when things go wrong, we break more easily. But you know what, brothers and sisters? As your relationship with God grows, you discover resources that you didn't have before to be more resilient. Okay? You find increasing faith. You find wisdom. You grow patience, self-control, gratitude, humility, friendship, all the things that we spoke about during the, the strength building series. And you get all this, you build resilience and you fight another day. Hallelujah. 
Isn't that great? When your relationship with God grows your, resi- your resilience. Wow. Can you have resilience without believing in God? Yes. In fact, you can probably get by in life with your natural abilities and your learned behaviour. I remember learning from my own father when we were still all not Christians. I, I knew my father to be one of the most resilient person on earth, or at least in my world. Okay? You can get by in life until you can't. Until you face existential crisis. It can be a medical diagnosis. It can be a, bank from a, let, a letter from a bank. It can be a phone call in the middle of the night. That threatens what you most hold dear in this world. You see, everyone turns to God eventually or some higher force. Even the atheist. You know, a joke has been told that there's an atheist uh, uh, in, 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 on a boat on a lake when suddenly the Loch Ness monster attacked and grabbed him from his boat. He panicked and shouted, God, help me! And suddenly, the monsters and everything around them just froze. And a voice from heaven boomed, You say you don't believe in me, but now you're asking for my help? The atheist looked up and said, Please give me a break. Ten seconds ago, I didn't believe in a Loch Ness monster either. You know, realizing your own fragility, your own finiteness, your own insignificance, that there is something, something that you just cannot handle. And that brings us to the next foundation, which is a reliance on God. You know, as we grow in our relationship with God, we also realize that we we are just broken. We are just broken earthen vessels. And that the power actually does not come from us. The power comes from God. That ultimately, God is the only source that we can go to to carry on. That in our brokenness, we absolutely need to rely on Him. There are many things that we need to rely on Him for. And I want to share three things from my own journey. Your list might be different, okay? are three things that I rely on God for. Firstly, I rely on God for strength. Okay? To stand firm, to hang on, to overcome and to bounce back. So that strength, so that while I'm hard-pressed on every side, we're not crushed. Even when we're perplexed, we're not in despair. When we're persecuted, we're not forsaken. When we're struck down, we're definitely not destroyed. Because Paul went on And he said, when I am weak, I am strong. You see, brothers and sisters, the more we surrender, the more we rely on God, the stronger we become from the power of Christ that rests upon us. Because when we are weak, then God can use His power to show His strength. Amen? Hallelujah. The second thing that I I, I rely a lot on God for was for peace and restedness. You know, I've come to realize, and I'm sure you will too, if you're not already, we need His peace that only He can give 
peace that defies all understanding and the rest that, and the refreshing that we can only find in Him. Otherwise, we burn out. We burn out. In fact, many years ago, I remember senior pastor counseled me on this part and he used exactly this, this verse so that, you know, I don't get burned out. You know, one of the things about being a bivocational pastor is this. I'm, a, I'm, I'm also a medical doctor. I'm a father. I'm a, I'm a son. I'm a husband. Not exactly, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> okay. One of the questions that I get asked most often is, how do you manage the time? How do you manage the time? I always answer, by the grace of God. And it is, by the grace of God, just this morning, before coming to church, I had to go to the hospital to stabilize an emergency case. And guess what? After this, I have to rush back to the hospital. Okay, by the grace of God. Literally. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I switched off my phone. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> the next thing that... But I, I <laughs> rely on God for is patience. You know, nothing is harder than waiting patiently for something, right? To wait on the Lord for His perfect timing. You know, after, after we got married... My wife and, and, and I waited for 10 years for our children. 10 years, okay? We both loved children very much and it was really difficult to be disappointed month after month. God came through. God came through. And today we have two, double blessing, two energetic young men. But I remember relying on this truth to sustain and minister to me. It is such an affirmation this morning to come and hear that the very song that ministered to me was sung this morning. There was no prearrangement, huh, Kelvin? When I came, my jaw dropped when I saw the lyrics on the screen. In Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross, nowhere else, in every victory. And it is victory. It is victory. It is assured. In every victory, let it be said of me that my source of strength and my source of hope is always, always Christ alone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you want, if you want to say amen and give the Lord uh, uh, clap, just give the Lord clap offering. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, the list is not exhaustive as I said and you will have your own list. But learn to come to God and say, God, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. Paul says, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in your weakness. As we learn reliance, we begin to understand and appreciate what Paul wrote because his strength will come through adequately to compensate for our weaknesses and supply our needs. The word there is sufficient. 
so that we continue to learn to rely on Him one day at a time and not boast in our own abilities. For those of you who are not familiar with Sabah, we have this highest peak in Borneo called Mount Kinabalu. It's at 4095 meters. And climbing it can be a challenge because the trail can be long and hard. It takes about one and a half days to get up and down about two days. And you can get tired easily, yeah? Those of you who have climbed it. And you get breathless because the air gets thinner as you go higher, okay? The way to conquer Mount K, as all of you who have climbed it realize, is to concentrate on that one step ahead of you, isn't it? Just one step. Don't look too far. One step. And sometimes, you have to hang on, dear life, to the rope. Sometimes you have to hang on to the rope at night, <laughs> in the dark. But one step at a time, you see your circumstances change. And one step at a time, you get there. You get the breakthrough in the end. Woo! Praise God. Praise God. The third foundation is renewal. You know, ultimately, resilience is not an end, but a means to an end. Our end goal is to grow to be more and more like Jesus. Yeah? And Paul wrote here, so that all of us can reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord will make us more and more like Him as we are changed to His glorious image. We tahan so that we can become more like Tuhan. What's the name of the game? The name of the game is reflecting His glory and change into His glorious image. That's the name of the game. And growth usually comes through hardship and suffering, seldom from success. You realise that? So, renewal is when you turn obstacles into opportunities for growth with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if you let Him, He will stretch and grow you more and more like Him. You know, during this pandemic, many have had to respond to disruptive challenges, to change and pivot the way things were done. You know, even Facebook is now meta. Have you checked your meta today? Not the same ring to it, isn't it? Yeah. But we do need to pivot to grow, okay? We need to renew our paradigm and our mindset and look at activities and challenges the way God looks at it. Paul wrote to be renewed, uh, by be transformed by the renewal of your mind, right? Renewal here refers to a mental conformity to God's truth, to God's will. That will result in your transformation in your life. So what do you want to renew to? You learn to be a learner, not a quitter. You see, in our pride, in our pride, we, always, we can always see that uh, learning to be a failure as opposed to an opportunity for growth and change. 
So in order to have transformation of our faith and character, we need to change our attitude about learning. We need to learn to face challenges by facing facts and taking responsibility. You know, taking responsibility is so important. It's not about blaming others. It's taking responsibility for what you can change. We need to learn from our failure by embracing God's truth. When God speaks to you about a certain situation in your life that you need to change, what do you do about it? Instead of getting angry, instead of getting hard-hearted, instead of getting depressed, you learn to ask what and not why. You learn to ask what is it God wants me to see, to learn, to grow here instead of why is life so unfair? Why is this happening to me? You learn, be a learner, not a quitter. And it's about character, not comfort. And I quote here a, 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 a nice uh, a verse from, from the message version, James. He said, consider it a sheer gift. When tests and challenges come from you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and show its true colours. So don't, let's don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any ways. God can use these challenges to help us understand the condition of our faith. You see, often we need to remove some of the defective blocks, Yeah? for God to replace them with new shining blocks. Blocks like pride, blocks like envy, even false greed from anger and offences. Yeah, anger and offences can make you resilient because you refuse to give up and refuse to forgive. <laughs> false greed, right? And by forcing us to confront the truth, okay, God refines our character and helps us to become mature well-developed and ready for the next stage of our life. How is God preparing, for the next, preparing you for the next phase of your life? Wow. Last but not least, we build resilience by rejoicing in our sufferings. Yes, we can do that. That's the ultimate in resilience. Through Him, we obtain access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So what does rejoicing in your suffering mean? First of all, it means that rejoicing while in our suffering. It is not rejoicing in spite of our suffering. It's not stoicism. It's not just tahan, green and buried. And it's definitely not rejoicing because we are suffering. It's not masochism, right? We are not enjoying the suffering. See, the key is how you process the suffering to not be crushed or destroyed. We actually, you see, we actually have got, from the passage God, Paul wrote, we actually have got something that we can rejoice for while, while in the suffering. And we don't need the suffering to go away. And that thing is actually enhanced by the suffering. What is it? It is that hope of the glory of God in verse 2. The glory of God 
if you read, for, if you read in other parts of Romans, is recognised as the destiny of human life, but of which human beings by their sins fall short. Romans 3.23 Now because through the grace of Christ, they can attain that destiny and they can share in the glorious life of God Himself. See, in the Bible, when it comes to hoping in human beings, our hope is always relative, uncertain. But when the object of hope is God, then that hope means confidence, certainty, full assurance. To have hope in God is to recognise that He and Him alone is trustworthy. That everything else will let you down. Everything else. And His plan is infinitely wise and good. We spoke about existential crisis earlier. Let's apply it here. A cancer patient. A cancer patient will rightly put relative hope in doctors and treatment. I'm a doctor, I know. But the main hope I will submit to you must be upon God. We can have certainty that His plan and will for us is always good, always perfect, and that our inevitable destiny is resurrection with Christ. If His main hope lies in medicine, then an unfavourable report will be devastating. But if that hope is in the Lord, it will be like a mountain that cannot be shaken or moved. Isaiah says that those who hope in the Lord are not anxious holding on, but always renewing their strength and even soaring. Hope in God leads to running and not growing weary and walking and not being faint. That's resilience. That's resilience. Furthermore, if if Christ really rose from the dead, that means that the teaching of the Bible must be real. That means we truly have a God that's going to heal everything in the end, all suffering, and a God that brings light out of darkness and who is patiently working out a plan for, our glory, for His glory, our good, and the good of the world. We can have real and certain hope to rejoice in. We can rejoice while in the suffering. Amen? Hallelujah. And this joy is further enhanced by our suffering. Wow, what does that mean? You see, when we suffer, it produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, character produces the hope of the glory of God. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience His love on our heart during our suffering. Verse 5. And then when we realise that how much He loves us to die for us, then the suffering of Christ becomes more meaningful during our own suffering. Hebrew says, you have a God, a Saviour who's experienced whatever you are experiencing. There's no other religion that gives you that. Do you know that? Have you ever lost a child? Outlive your son? Well, God has. Have you ever been betrayed by your best friends? Well, Jesus has. Have you ever faced a certain painful death? Yes, Go to God because God knows. He's been through it. We have a God that understands suffering. And when we take this in and realise that even when we're suffering so bad, and yet compared to what Jesus is suffering, it's probably just a pinprick. And what that does for us is this. The hope that we already have in Him by believing in Him, the hope that we spoke about earlier, these hopes get heavier, get stronger, 
gets more real, more vivid. And as we persevere and hold on to what's done, our strength grows as our hope grows. And when we suffer like that, together with Jesus, Jesus' suffering presents, we, we understand the suffering in new ways. Our suffering and His suffering becomes more valuable. More, we, appreciate, we appreciate what Jesus has done for us more. And when He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness, when we experience our weakness, we cannot take it anymore. We go to the Lord. It drives us to see what Jesus has done for us. And we grab hold of this truth, what Jesus has done for us. And through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, they shine out like never before. You know, before suffering, we, we kind of intellectually know what that He loves me, that He loves us, but now we actually feel it. We actually feel it in our suffering. You see, Paul uses the word, God's love pour out. It actually means flood, a torrent. means something that's tangible, that you can feel. It means something that, that, has, that was uh, uh, abstract, becomes concrete. Something that was intellectual, become palpable, can be touched. God's love becomes real. While reading for this sermon, I came across many people who have come to consider their suffering as one of their richest blessings. For through the suffering, they experience the love and presence of God with an intimacy that would not have possible otherwise. They come to know God in a much deeper way. They have fresh revelations about God's true heart and God's true love for them. And that is why they can consider it pure joy, pure joy when they undergo tribulations. Timothy Keller it's one of my heroes. He was previously the senior pastor of Redeemer Church in New York City. He's a prolific author. You may or may not even have, you may have read one or more of his books. But Keller was once invited to speak on Jonathan Edwards as a preacher. Jonathan Edwards was the man who wrote Amazing Grace. As Keller described it, Edwards preached not to give new information, but to make information new. He wanted people to experience the truth of the truth they affirm. To deeply know what they had known. It's like the difference between knowing honey is sweet because someone describes it to you and knowing honey is sweet because you've tasted honey in your mouth. Back to Keller. Last year, at the age of 69, Keller was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. While writing this book on the hope and power of the resurrection in times of fear, he wrote the book under chemotherapy with this deadly disease as his daily companion. Now, this is a man who is suffering and writing on having hoped and joy while suffering. It's only natural for us to wonder, in this moment of truth, is he still satisfied? Does the honey taste sweet? This book is Keller's resounding answer to that question. Yes, 
yes, sweeter than ever. On page 217, he wrote, Writing in such dark times, help me see in the resurrection new depths of comfort and power. The cornerstone holds even now. Especially now. I don't know what trials and challenges you're going through today, but you know God can bring from your deep suffering the life-giving hope that we so desperately need now and always. And to know that He is with you. Isaiah said, Fear not, I am with you. I have redeemed you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. God loves you. You. And He wants you to overcome all the things that prevent you to be all that He created you to be. You can be unbreakable. Today, if you want to feel this love and know this God who suffers so much for your sake, can I invite you to make a response together with me? Pray these words together with me, both as a prayer and a declaration to invite Jesus into your life. Dear Jesus, today I want to make the decision to follow you. I believe you suffered and paid the price for my sins on the cross. Cover me with your grace and wash me clean. Fill me with your love and do a work of transformation, a renewal in me. You are my Lord and Saviour from today onwards. In Jesus' name, Amen. Wow. If you've prayed those words together with me, Esther, later on Esther will come and guide you through what you can do to grow to the next stage. Let me pray for the church. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are the God who knows our suffering. That you are the God who is always with us. That you are the God who loves us enough to die for us. And today is waiting to receive us once again into your arms. And today, Father God, for those of us who are walking with you, help us to rely on you each and every single day. Help us to renew what we need to discard. We renew what we need to change. And Father God, let us find joy in knowing You, in walking with You, even in suffering with You. We thank You, Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. So, before I go, I just want to wish you to be joyful in hope, be patient in tribulation and be faithful in prayer. God bless you all. See you next week. Thanks for listening. 
This is the Skyline SIB podcast and stay tuned for the next episode. Visit our website at www.skylinesib.com and say hello. Drop us a prayer request or leave us a question. Want to know what's up and coming with our church? Follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. It's Skyline SIB. Let's connect. God bless and have a great week.